I've got a couple of questions for you, Ben. I'm sure that uh, everybody at this panel, on this table, the crew, Marina, Tony, back there somewhere, everyone would agree, including you, that for this sailboat thing to happen, you got to truly believe it's possible, right? Like truly believe, not like say the words, not even to have faith that it will happen, but to know at your core, without any equivocation, it can happen. So I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, what was it like growing up for you in Arizona? It was rough. It yeah. was rough. You know, separated families mm. and, you know, More trailer dad parks. And, trailer parks. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So yeah. talk to me about talk to me about your dad a little bit. You know, he's uh, he was a guy that always had dreams, but never had the courage to chase after them. And, you know, kind of made him a little bit bitter, I think. Right. One of the things that I learned uh, in the last 20 years is that sometimes we learn lessons from our, our could be parents, could be a brother, could sister, but a lot of times parents, grandparents. And even though we hated what they did, we repeated the same behavior. Let me give you an example. When I was about 10 years old, I woke up in the middle of the night, maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night, and my mom was screaming. My mother, I had never heard her in my life raise her voice. She's 84 now, and I don't think I've ever heard her raise her voice instant. There's one time in my life, 57 years on this planet, that I heard my mother raise her voice. And she was yelling at my dad. And she never yelled. She was a Southern Belle, very soft-spoken, very traditional role. Um, and she was yelling at my dad. She was like letting him have the business. And I don't know what they were fighting about. I just My dad wouldn't say nothing, but I just heard my mom you know, going off on him. And at some point in the conversation, I heard my mom say the name Ruby. I don't know who Ruby was. I was 10 years old. What I remember is that Shortly thereafter, she packed up me and my brothers and sisters in a car, and we drove across the state to my grandparents. Now, over the ensuing years, my parents stayed together for years after this, but I was about 14. I had two older brothers, and eventually I learned who Ruby was. Ruby was somebody my dad was seeing on the side. It's my dad's girlfriend. And I remember when I learned, when I put two and two and two together, like I was so angry at my dad that he didn't love his kids, he didn't love his wife, he just didn't love any of us enough. I just, I just, I was so mad that he was running around with his ruby and like, you know, completely betrayed his family. I hated it. Now, when I figured this out, I was about 14. When you're 14 years old, even though when you figure it out, you don't confront your father, because your father is your father. Even if he's a total jerk, a total loser, doesn't matter, he's your father. And so I never said anything to my father for many, many years until one day when I was 21 years old. And I decided to confront my father about Ruby at the place where you solve all family problems at a wedding where everyone's drunk. <laughs> this is the drinking. We're all drunk. Amen to that. <laughs> Cheers. This is where you solve. <laughs> this is where you solve family problems. So at 21 years old, I confront my. Now by this time, he is divorced from my mother, and I confront my father, and we get into a physical altercation. And thank God, my brothers were there to 
prevent things from getting completely out of control. And I'm very fortunate to this day that my father and I developed a very, very close relationship uh, before, the, before he died, many, many years before he died. And I learned that my father was an imperfect man and that I could love him and revere him and know that he made a lot of stupid decisions. But I hated what he did. What do you think I did the first two times I was married? Hmm. Repeated that pattern. Cheated on my wives. Yeah. I hated that behavior. I despised it. It broke, it broke my will at points, and yet I did the exact same thing. That's the, that's the power of what we call a limiting belief, right? Junk in the trunk. That even though we don't like it. So I want to just say this to you. That even though you probably, definitely, I think we can say, don't approve of how your dad approached business and finances. You've got to be so careful because I'm telling you, Ben, that is hardwired in there. And you're going to have to fight like the space shuttle fights gravity to get that ship going. Because it's hardwired in there, even though you didn't like it. It's so easy to repeat those same mistakes. And so you got to believe at the core of your core that it's possible for you to be on that boat sailing around the world. Not just talk about it like, oh, it's a great thing to talk about. Like, you have to believe that his scarcity, his poverty, his struggle is not yours. you got to believe that at the core. I was doing an event a couple of years ago, and I was talking to this. My dad had the most scarce mentality. My dad used to always say, rich people are crooks. Rich people are crooks. My dad believed that, right? Yep. Truly believed that. I know that line. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at this event and I'm having lunch with a couple that happened to be at the event. They were about 35 years old, right? Not, not much young. You're, what were you, 40? What are you, 41? So about your age. And they're having this conversation, she and her husband. And she tells me, she goes, yeah, my dad hated rich people too. He was broke. He hated rich people. He resented rich people. She said, in fact, he didn't just hate rich people. He honored poor people. He would say, honey, the struggle is real. Respect the struggle. Like he, like he you know, really saw the struggle yeah. in this enhanced perspective. And then she started telling me how she had been in business for 10 years. She and her husband, they couldn't make any money and struggle, struggle, struggle. And I'm just taking all this in. That afternoon, we're back in session. And I asked them to, uh, to kind of write out what their business financial goal was in one sentence. Distill it down, right? What Gary was talking about earlier and Drew was talking about, about, about focus, right? Get down to the basic, the basic stuff. And their basic goal was that they wanted to retire at 50 years old. Right? Not unlike yours, not a boat necessarily, but basically your same dream. And I said, that's a great goal. I mean, you're 35 now, you can make some money, save it, you can sell your business in 15 years, build it up profitably, and do the Gary Alex model, right? Sail off into the sunset. She goes, yep, that's what we're going to do. I said, let me ask a question, man. What do you got to be to retire at 50? She said, well, I guess you got to be smart. I said, no, I know a lot of rich dumbasses. She said, well, I guess you got to be lucky. I said, no, man, you can make your own luck. What do you have to literally be to retire at 50? What would you say that is? What do you have to be literally to retire at 50? Committed. Financially. Wealthy. You got to be wealthy. You got to be rich. And she said, you got to be rich. I said, yes, ma'am, you got to be rich. And she turns to her husband and she says, honey, we're going to be rich. <laughs> she turns to me, we're going to be rich. She turns to me, we're going to be rich. She just loved the sound of it. And then I had to ask her the obvious question. I said, so now you want to become the thing your father hated the most? A rich person? I thought you told me you wanted to make your father proud. 
Seems to me you've been making him proud of what was being broken on the last 10 years. And the realization. Inside here was this core belief, rich people are crooks, I want to make dad proud, the struggle is real. Out here, she's a bright woman, her husband was hardworking. They were willing to do the work, just like you are. What they didn't have was the core belief that it was possible. They had this internal conflict. So I want you to make sure that you truly believe that that boat is real, that that financial freedom is real, and that you and your girl are on that boat with the wind in your hair, metaphorically, and the sails out wide, <laughs> and you're going out to see G-Man and the Caymans. You gotta believe it, my friend. No bull No, like it sounds good, but like believe it at your core is possible. This is a scary level of on point right there. Yeah, wow. yeah. I'm telling you, I had no clue as to where the hell you were going for the longest time there. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> but you got there, my friend. And the thing, the one biggest thing I took away from that to distill it down was focus on the thing that you want, not the thing that you don't want, right? Well, I don't want to be my parents. I don't want to be my mother, my father. I don't want to live that life. Oh, I want to do better for my kids. We've all, this is our generation, right? I don't care you know, how old you are. And this, this group, all of us in this room have heard, I want my kids to have it easier than I did. All right. For all of us in this room and everybody watching, right? You didn't turn out that bad right? You're okay. You didn't have it that hard. Your parents didn't treat you like crap for most of the audience, right? So get over that stuff. Get over your past story. Focus on what it is that you want and go after it with the intention and intensity that it deserves. That's what I took away from that. Don't focus on what you don't want, right? Don't play not to lose. Play to freaking win, okay? The one thing I know about this guy, because he I keep hearing him always talk about Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State. I'm sick of it because Maryland sucks, right? <laughs> well, you're named after a turtle. <laughs> We're not going to be the fastest guys in the field. This week to avoid the loss. We, yeah, we got COVID. We, we took it. You know, Maryland took COVID this week. COVID-19. We, we, we didn't want to lose. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think what we all know is just this man at every level of his life I mean, that's why he's a great friend and great, you know, great businessman and, and a great example of just everything that I think a lot of us all aspire to be and everybody at EJA, you know, bought into is he plays to win at every freaking level. Mm -hmm. He goes all in. I mean, he doesn't know anything else, right? We were talking about it last night. I mean, his former coach, okay, at Urban Meyer at, uh, you know, at Ohio State knew put the foot on the throttle and crush the life out of them, okay? Stop us. You don't like the fact that we're running up the score. We're not running up the score. We're playing the game the way we know how to play the game, the same way that Nick Saban plays the game, right? I, I'm not going to breed mediocrity into it. You know, We're going to play to a level of excellence. I'm not going to accept your level of mediocrity that you think I should have, right? Play to win, and that's how he does it, right? Stop. His, his new coach has a different philosophy, which might give Maryland a chance the next time we actually face each other. <laughs> so, 
play to win. Go after what it is that you want. That's what I took away from what It would be nice to think that both Maryland and Ohio State could be like LSU and be national champions. It would be really nice to think. (laughs) Gary, it's a joke. It's a joke, Gary. (laughs) Oh, the eight-time national champions? We got two. We got got two. Hey, I'm going to wrap this up. Go ahead. Can I borrow your mic? Yes, you may. Where'd you get your quarterback from? <laughs> oh, that guy's been the Burroughs, man. What a what a blessing he was, right? Yeah. Ca- yeah. Uh, okay. Calgary Point fan. Point made. They all Saint came from fan. somewhere. Yeah. Last one to win a Super Bowl would be the Eagles. All right, just saying. That's true. And, and what did they do with Nick Foles after that, by the way? I'm going to give away my, my Super Bowl quarterback. Cowboys. Don't get me started. Okay. Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, six centuries ago. <laughs> Oh, man, Troy Aikman is so good in his day, and those guys were amazing. Hey, I'm going to wrap this discussion up. You're next. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Here on Dr. Phil. (laughs) The most liberating moment of my life, Ben, when I realized I could love and revere and respect my father and also realize he was dead wrong about a lot of things. You can love him. And you can realize, man, they put a lot of junk in my trunk. My dad put so much bad stuff in here about money and women. And there are times I got to say, Dad, you got to shut the hell up because he'll keep talking to you. It's like a voice from the grave. They'll reach out decades later. And it says nothing about him. It's just the model of the world he had to share with you. Yeah, it's not a reflection of them. They did the best they could with what they had. <laughs>